Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 19 of The Revenge of Kang. If you were to open to this page, uh, which begins chapter 2, ironically entitled Strange New World, you would think from the illustration on that page that uh, our heroes have made it. They, they've arrived at their exotic adventure location. Finally, after already getting off on such the wrong foot, they've been thrown around. All the superheroes in the world disappeared. They very probably fucked up a fire rescue situation. They may or may not have had a burning corpse fly out of a building and land at their feet, as though to say, you did this. You did this by not specifically asking about the scenery inside the burning building. And I know it would be essential basic firefighting procedure to look around and see what the situation is. But more GMs than not are not going to want the players to be faffing around with that kind of detail. And if you're in the minority, you need to give people reason rolls so that we don't ruin the superhero party before it starts with a flaming corpse in the punch bowl. But anyway, that's all over now. Our heroes got back into their time machine, and now they're headed out to track down the temporal disturbance that seems to have retroactively erased from existence all of Earth's heroes. And so as you can see in this illustration, which I'll put on the visual companion for today, we've got Wonder Man, Vision, Hawkeye, Tigra, Moon Knight, and Wanda, who's got her arms crossed as usual, standing around, looking like she has no time for what's happening in this scene. And they're in this kind of weird swamp, and there's a lizard on a branch in the foreground, and there's an alien-looking building towering above the landscape in the background. This does look like a strange new world. This looks like, if not exactly what we signed up for with this adventure, at least a new and interesting adventure location, which we will reach tomorrow, after the turbulence. Quote, The time machine rattles to life as you prepare to jump back into the temporal vortex. The instant you dematerialize, the capsule begins to shake violently. The time disturbance is much worse than it was when you first emerged from the vortex just a little while ago. Bright lights flash in your face as historical events whiz by in the grayness of the vortex. The shaking in the capsule is getting so bad that you are starting to wonder if this might be your final trip. Jesus Christ, if only we were so lucky. So anyway, it's a time eddy again, and as usual as time eddies, it will fall to our pilot to navigate us through all the random damage so that we can arrive at our destination. Maybe this adventure will start when we get where we're going this time. Who knows? Who can say? Or maybe we'll have to jump back in the time machine, and that same one player will have to make another series of a dozen or two agility rolls, and we'll all have to mark down damage, and then maybe we'll get to play then. I mean, I think from a game design perspective, we've got three or four solid introductory sessions just in this, banging into the walls, bleeding, getting fractures, dying, having exactly one player make the same roll over and over again, and then maybe occasionally interspersed with a tragic rescue gone wrong. But then maybe, you know, like a month from now, we'll have an adventure. No time for that now. We've got to live in the present. Little time travel joke there for you. And each team of heroes has to have its pilot start making agility rolls. Quote, inform the pilot of the time vessel that rapidly flashing series of historical events are passing before his or her eyes, and that keeping the ship on course has become difficult. You don't say. In order to navigate the eddy, the pilot must keep the time ship on course and dodge oncoming historical obstacles. In order to pass through the eddy, the pilot must pass three obstacles. Each obstacle requires a good intensity agility feat roll. If the pilot fails a feat, the timeship is vigorously buffeted about, and everyone inside takes five points of damage due to the stress. At each obstacle, the pilot must also choose the proper route to keep the timeship on course. 
this is the same shit that we did last time. Not last time, like a couple of pages ago when we did it, but I mean in the last adventure. Remember when we were dealing with turbulence back then? And guess what else is back? Quote, read each of the following sequences of historical events to the pilot and ask him or her to choose the event which happened first. If he or she is correct, blah, blah, blah. So it's the same as last time. You make an agility roll. If you fail, everybody takes five damage. If you succeed, they don't take damage. And if you get a red result, then you get to skip the next part. And the next part is the judge asks you to tell them which of two historical events happened first. And if you're right, then you're fine. And if you're wrong, then everybody takes five more damage. This happens three times for a possible damage output of 30 to everyone in the time machine. In case you're curious, our historical obstacles this time require us to sort into chronological order the end of World War II versus the release of the motion picture Gone with the Wind. Uh, Secondly, the end of the Civil War versus the beginning of the Franco-Prussian War. And thirdly, the sinking of the Lusitania versus the end of World War I. So those are our historical obstacles. What is meant by historical obstacle, I still don't know, especially because spoilers, this trip is going to end up with us getting sucked into something called a time funnel and taken to a place that is not in our history. So I'm not sure why I had to produce chronological knowledge about the Lusitania to get myself to another dimension. But it did make me think because part of the problem here, and there are many with this turbulence shit, I could you could cut all of it and nothing would be lost. You know, you could describe turbulence in box text, that's enough. But it made me think about the pilots. All of our heroes are on this journey right now. The the plot has not diverged. So the same thing is happening whether we're playing through this adventure with the Secret Zoomers, Ford's Furies, or the Misfits, or the West Coast Avengers for that matter. We're all trying to navigate this goddamn time eddy. Each team has to choose a pilot. And at this point, I think we're going to have a a, a well-established routine for who pilots the time ship. This has happened enough. We don't want the agility character over in the little cramped time machine bathroom when yet another time eddy starts and we all end up pinned to the ceiling in a spinning time ship like the fucking Gravitron until our pilot leaps off the toilet and takes the wheel. Like, where we've got a plan, we know who's piloting the ship. So pretty much in every case, you're going to want your highest agility character making these rules, right? Relevant talents might come into it too. The West Coast Avengers are going to want Tigra or Moon Knight at the wheel. They're both going to be rolling an effective incredible, right? But what about the three super teams that we're following this season? For Ford's Furies, it's pretty easy. You definitely want Scoop at the wheel. She has the journalism talent, and so you can reasonably argue that she's going to have a little bit of knowledge about newsworthy events. And even if the GM does not feel inclined to indulge you in that rather audacious grab for a column shift, Scoop still has amazing agility. So Ford's Furies do not have to worry too much about turbulence in this time machine. That amazing agility is going to help with getting some red results too, which is going to be nice because if you don't get a red result, then even if you make your roll, Scoop's player, whoever that turns out to be, and it's just luck of the draw, they specifically have to answer these questions. Remember, now it's up to the GM whether you want to open it up to the table and sort of let everybody pitch in and then maybe the pilot's player makes the final decision, picks the final answer. Or if you wanted to be a real dickhead, by which I mean doing what the book tells you to do, you could force specifically the pilot's player to answer the question. So hopefully Scoop's player is as well-versed in newsworthy events of Western history as Scoop is and Ford's Furies will be fine. The Misfits, as we've established in the past, it's got to be Rhonda. Rhonda Dela Cruz, the non-powered but tremendously more useful alter ego of Superball. She has remarkable agility. And when this topic first came up, I think all the way back in all this in World War II or maybe in the Weird Weird West, I was saying I thought it would be a stretch to apply her history talent to these roles. But if we're going to be answering history quizzes every time shit goes wrong in the timeline, 
clearly it's relevant. So she should be rolling an incredible effectively. That'll be great. As long as Super Ball's player, once again, is up to snuff, we're fine. This brings me to my realization, which really pointed out to me how dumb specifically this thing is where the pilot's player has to answer questions to dodge historical obstacles. On the Secret Zoomers, just like these other teams, there's a clear choice for pilot. It's got to be extra. Extra has an agility of amazing. She has the physics talent, which may be applicable. And there's not a ton of competition from other members of the team. So when it comes time to pass by these historical obstacles, it specifically has to be the person playing extra who answers the questions, right? Because extra is the one who is sitting at the time wheel trying to get around these time cones. But in character, if we knew that we were going to have to correctly identify and order things in Earth history, would we not tell Extra to maybe go sit somewhere else? Because Extra is an alien. Extra the extraterrestrial. She's from far away. She's from the larger of the two planets in the mood system. She has a reason of excellent, but she does not have a lot of time for book learning, especially book learning about a planet that she is only passingly interested in. Extra shouldn't know any of this, but if her player does, then we're going to do great. There's no provision this time around for making a reason roll to get answers to these questions. So it truly is pure player knowledge, and it specifically has to come from the player of a character, in this case, who in character definitely doesn't know any of these things. So there's somewhat of a weird, like, fourth wall breaking thing happening here. The author has become so comfortable just straight up addressing the players, like, you want the story to go in this direction, therefore here's a little homework, a little puzzle that you have to do. And then if you complete it, you, the player, give me your homework and I grade it and you passed, then I will let you play the game you want to play. It's it's almost like the, the characters and the fiction don't even come into the transaction. And that's how we ended up in this situation where, like, there is no in-fiction explanation for what the fuck is happening with choosing pilots because it, it's it's purely a fourth wall breaking concern. We do need a high agility, but within that, our choice is going to be based purely on player knowledge. It's about which player we want at the wheel, even if it means sitting down a character who definitively is the least qualified person in the room. So I hope you appreciate this. I've been mining this turbulence for dumb things for a long time. I'm sick of talking about it too, but here it is again, and it's not as though there's a shortage of bullshit facets to this perfect bullshit gem. But ultimately, our hero's flight through time does end, and they arrive at their destination, the Dagobah-looking place on this page. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband. <laughs>